Hi, I'm Mark Lynch, Director of the Project on Middle East Political Science. Welcome back to the POMEPS Podcast, our series of conversations with scholars working in the field. With us today is Diana Greenwald. She's a PhD candidate at the University of Michigan. Diana, welcome to the program. Thanks so much. So um, you've been doing a lot of research in, uh, in the Palestinian territories, and uh, you've just written a piece for us about the cancellation of local elections. Could you tell us a little bit about the uh, significance of those elections and what it means that they were canceled? Sure. Um, so local elections were scheduled to take place in a little less than a month across the West Bank and Gaza um, in early October. And... Um, elections are kind of canceled and delayed frequently in the Palestinian territory. So many Palestinians are used to this phenomenon, but um, this was going to be a particularly sort of significant one because Fatah and Hamas uh, were both set to compete in these elections for the first time um, since 2006. So the Palestinian Supreme Court has just uh, decided to suspend the vote, and they cited kind of two appeals cases that they want to rule on before they're ready to go ahead with these elections. Um, but it's largely being seen by observers as a, kind of a means for Fatah, the ruling party in the West Bank, to postpone or even cancel this uh, this vote in order to avoid an embarrassing loss at the polls. So, um, so remind us, uh, so in 2006, when elections were held, how did they go? So 2006 was the last time there were elections for the national legislature, and Hamas uh, sort of surprised uh, external observers. It wasn't necessarily as surprising to those on the ground, but they came in and won a majority of seats in, in the national elections. And this kind of precipitated... Um, a uh, response by the international community, a uh, freezing of aid to the Palestinian Authority, and then um, factional fighting in the territories and in Gaza in particular, which led, of course, to Hamas seizing control of the Gaza Strip in 2007. Um, so the kind of uh, status quo that we have now with Hamas ruling in Gaza and Fatah in the West Bank is uh, was largely uh, brought on by that that election in 2006. Now, have there been any uh, local elections or national elections since then? So there have not. Um, the last uh, local elections were immediately prior to those um, national elections. They were held over the course of 2004 and 2005. And so in this uh, piece for Monkey Cage, I talk about how that kind of, uh, those local elections kind of gave an early indicator of Hamas's increasing popularity in the territories. They performed quite strongly. Um, the elections were held over multiple rounds, but in the final round, they actually won a majority of the municipalities in the West Bank, um, which was basically unprecedented. And those were the first local elections that Hamas decided to participate in and field lists. Um, so this was sort of a kind of a precursor to what was to come in 2006 in many ways. So who's been running the, the municipalities uh, since then? So that's an interesting question. Um, it's actually uh, surprisingly difficult to to determine that because some of the localities are run by uh, independent lists. Some are uh, ones that are loosely affiliated with Fatah and, and others are loosely affiliated with other smaller opposition groups. But um, for the most part, um, 
well, I should I should sort of clarify that there was there was a set of local elections held in 2012, but Hamas did not participate in those. So, right. Okay. Um, so Fatah, Fatah actually managed to regain control of a lot of the municipalities at that point. Um, but there are still, and, and many people don't realize this, there are still a number of towns, even in the West Bank, where. Um, mayors and council members that were elected under supposedly Hamas lists in 2005 are still in office. They didn't um, actually lose their seat in that 2012 election. So Fatah has kind of a loose, you know, grip on on municipal governance at this point in the West Bank. That it would, you know, uh, make sense that they wouldn't want to they wouldn't want to necessarily risk losing that. Now, what what would have led Hamas to uh, to finally decide to come back and contest these elections again? Um. I think that they are also, you know, I think it's also a gamble for Hamas right now. I don't think it was a straightforward uh, decision, but I think that in, you know, in Gaza, they're pretty confident that they can continue to maintain control there. Um, I don't, I don't think that central decision-making is necessarily a strong suit of Hamas. So I think um, in some ways, this is what uh, a colleague has described as kind of a game of chicken between Hamas and Fatah, sort of challenging each other to um, to put themselves before the Palestinian public uh, in this kind of referendum on their leadership. And so, uh, I'm, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there were elements of Hamas that were uh, that were also opposed to the decision because of the risks that it entails that they actually lose. Um, significant seats in, in in Gaza or that they don't perform very strongly in the West Bank. Now, your research, uh, of course, uh, goes well beyond uh, the, the, the local elections. Um, and uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Palestinian Authority itself and just the kinds of institutions that, that it has and what your research can tell us about both the strengths and weaknesses of the institutions that the, the Palestinian Authority uh, has has maintained. Sure, sure. Um, so, what I'm actually uh, sort of looking at on a broader level in my research is how sort of new states, but also aspiring states or national movements like the Palestinian uh, Authority generate kind of the the core capacities that we associate with statehood, whether they do so, where they do so, um, whether that varies subnationally. So I have a particular focus on um, fiscal capacity and whether the Palestinian government is able to fulfill kind of one of those core functions of statehood, which is raising revenue from its population. So this kind of follows from the core understanding of social science we have of the state, that basically states are these kind of bargains between leaders and their citizens, and the leaders provide uh, protection. They maintain this monopoly on violence, so to speak, and they uh, provide national defense and protect property, and citizens are able to kind of do what they want to do. In exchange for that, citizens are providing rulers with revenue. Um, So I'm basically trying to understand if... um, national movements that are emerging in in settings of conflict, but that are trying to build state institutions, are able to establish any any sort of form of that bargain, and if so, where. Um, so my research kind of takes me to the local level, and I look at these outcomes on the local level, but a lot of the drivers of what local governments are able to do in the West Bank uh, come from uh, national conditions that were put in place uh, by the conflict. Uh, and so the Palestinian Authority itself, you know, was created through an agreement with uh, between the PLO and Israel in, in the series of Oslo Accords between 93 and 95. And it was basically this entity that was set up with 
limited autonomy and limited authority over the West Bank and Gaza Strip. And there were both um, functional restrictions on what the PA can and can't do. So at the national level, it actually uh, doesn't collect a lot of its own taxes, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is only, and it, it also was basically subject to geographic restrictions on its authority. So it's only a label, able to deploy its police forces in certain areas and not others. Um, so I'm sort of looking at how those, those effects play out at the local level and kind of um, at the level that is arguably most relevant for Palestinians living in the territories. Now, the, so, so taxes then, uh, uh, am I correct in thinking that the, the taxes run through Israel because there's been several uh, instances of the withholding of those revenues from the PA? That's right. That's right. So at the central government level in the PA, um, Uh, I believe it's about half their budget comes from foreign aid, and then the other half, almost two-thirds of that, is coming from taxes that are collected by Israel, exactly as you mentioned. So those are um, customs taxes collected on, you know, imports coming in and sales tax on imports, um, trade taxes that are then transferred uh, to the Palestinian Authority under ideal circumstances. And then, of course, those have been withheld at at various times um, as a part of sort of uh, Israeli strategy to to compel the PA to to do certain things, and that um, and that's yeah. and that's the sort of thing which you'd identify as kind of a, a flaw in the statehood or the the proto statehood of the PA. This limited control over their own revenue collection. Yeah, exactly, and I think that. Um, this has pretty real consequences for the Palestinian public as sort of quote unquote citizens or aspiring citizens of a state. They, um, you know, they they are not used to that having that mechanism to hold their government accountable. They are not relied on uh, primarily as taxpayers to fund government services. And then, of course, um, the many restrictions that are in place, um, the many kind of real concrete restrictions that are in place because of Oslo on what the PA government can and can't do. Um, you know, it cannot pr- print its own currency, it can't um, deploy its police in certain areas, and it can't have any real presence in a large block of the West Bank known as Area C, which is um, under kind of the sole authority, civil and, and security authority of Israel. Um, and so all of these restrictions um, sort of pervert that relationship between uh sort of, quote, citizen and state in the Palestinian context. Um, but what I look at is really how this varies at the local level and how uh, municipalities, if and where they're able to establish this kind of fiscal bargain with their with their constituencies of providing services and public goods in exchange for revenue. Um, and I find that that really does appear to vary depending on these national conditions, uh, depending on how much policing authority the PA has, and then depending on the fragmentation of the national movement and whether actually Hamas or Fatah is governing a municipality. Would you say that at the national level, would you say that uh, the Palestinian Authority actually has functional institutions at this point? Oh, I think that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough question. Um, uh, you know, if, if I were to channel a lot of, of what you hear, you know, through contacts and, and informants and colleagues in, in the West Bank, no, uh, the institutions are not functional. Um, but there, there are certain aspects of the PA that are very systemically important to maintaining kind of life as usual in the West Bank. Um, it is a huge employer 
uh, of, of the Palestinian uh, workforce. And, and it does provide certain, you know, basic uh, services, healthcare, uh, you know, roads, um, uh, things like electricity and water, although those are increasingly being private, sort of privatized. But, um, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, at the local level, we see that, you know, trash collection, basic things that you expect of your government that it is able to, to provide. Um, but sort of accountability for those services and uh, kind of the, the politicization that, that's introduced due to the conflict do affect every level of, of kind of PA functioning. For the last year, there's been a lot of talk about how this is, we're now in the middle of a third intifada, or there's about to be a third intifada. How, how do you assess all of this talk in terms of what it means for Palestinian institutions? Um, I, I personally try to avoid that terminology. I try to, um, uh, I, I think, you know, especially being a scholar observing mostly from afar, it's, it's hard to diagnose when or when an intifada is or is not occurring. Uh, but I think frustration is, is high. And I think, um, you know, this is one of the things that I'm interested in, in following is whether, um, you know, basic uh, settings of insecurity in the streets in the West Bank. We've had recent uh, large-scale protests and sort of violence in, in Nablus recently. Uh, there's been, um, you know, uh, factions, uh, you know, fighting over control of the Palestinian kind of, there's, there's been infighting within, within Fatah itself and within the police force. Um, and then there's just been obviously a lack of progress on the resolution of the conflict and sort of any kind of negotiations with Israel. So I think, I think frustration is high, and I think that it does have uh, the tendency to kind of make opting out of Palestinian institutions and opting out of the formal institutions of Oslo an increasingly attractive opportunity for people. You see, obviously, the BDS movement is uh, is on the rise and 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 popular internationally now, and that kind of gives some momentum to. Uh, to sort of people that reject uh, the Oslo process and that reject kind of uh, bargaining for this, this quote-unquote two-state solution that doesn't seem to ever be on the horizon. Um, so it gives momentum to that movement on the ground in the territories as well. Do you think that uh, the municipal elections, if they could have been held or if they are held in the future, would be constructive towards strengthening these institutions? Or is it really more just, you know, kind of a creature of uh, the, the relationship with Israel and conditions on the ground where the elections were kind of irrelevant? Um, I think that they're important for maintaining a sort of um, strong relationships between political leaders and their population at the local level. And I think that's been... Uh, there's kind of been a tradition of that. I discussed that some in this in this monkey cage piece of sort of the role that local elections, however infrequent they've been, um, the role that they've played in um, sort of providing a platform for movements to kind of build popular base and and for opposition uh, to be you know for opposition against the central authority to be articulated. So I think they'll continue to play that role. But I think uh, no, we can't look to local elections as kind of a driver of, of change at, at a larger level in the conditions of the conflict. I think um, anyone who's framing these as a kind of release valve that will allow the Palestinian public to blow off steam and forget about the larger kind of issues uh, surrounding them is, is probably mistaken. 
All right. Well, uh, I want to thank uh, Diana Greenwald, the University of Michigan. Thank you for joining the Pull Maps podcast. It's been a really interesting conversation. Thanks so much, Mark. It's been a pleasure.